don't know us, um, I'm Christy and Jeff, this is Jeff Kerr. We are the pastors here at Homestead and we're just so happy that you are here with us today. If we haven't had a chance to meet you, we'd love to talk to you after service and get to know you. Um, so, but before we jump into our message, we want to just talk for a couple minutes about serving here at, at <laughs> almost in North Central University. I don't know why, I just started to come out. That's not where I am. I am at Homestead Community Church today. So, um, we know we have had a lot of people join us in the last year, and so we love to see new faces, but we know that sometimes it takes a while to get new people involved, and so we wanted to just highlight over the next couple weeks some areas that you can start to serve at Homestead. We need people to help in all kinds of different areas. We need people to help in our kids' ministry, in our youth ministry, in hospitality, in our worship teams. Um, we just want you to get plugged in. If you've been coming for a while and maybe you just haven't found a place to serve yet, we can help you figure, what, uh, figure out what that is. But we really want to get everybody on board. This is really where you grow. It's where you get to meet people. You develop relationships when you start serving and become a part of the community. And so we wanted to highlight today um, one of our amazing uh, programs here. And then is, wow. All right. <laughs> So we have had, in addition to a lot of new families joining us over the last year, what we've seen on Sunday nights with our youth ministry, our student ministry, so J High and High School, is, you know, a lot of all the families in the church that have students there are getting their kids connected, and that's been awesome. But what we've seen is just uh, students from the community surrounding us that their families don't have any connection to this church. They hear about it from a friend of a friend, and they, you know, they, they start coming. And here's what we've experienced over the last year, and we can all say an amen to this. It's been a difficult year for a lot of reasons, and especially for our kids and students. Doing distance learning, trying to keep up with that, having, you know, in our case at the Kerr House, having me as the homeschool distance learning coordinator, that's been a disaster all around. Um, but isolation, just conflict, just a lot of stuff going on in our world. In addition to COVID, all the other conflict that we see around us, it's taken its toll on our kids and our students. And, and additionally, we have family situations from families not connected to this church, really going through some difficult times. COVID has bubbled up to the surface, all, all sorts of conflict in these families, families going through really difficult times, parents in treatment, going through divorce, all of these things. So what we have experienced is, and Sunday night, the youth ministry, they do such a great job here. Sometimes there's like 60 students in here taking over this whole building, and it's awesome. But the students, whether your families are connected to this church or not, are just finding a place of hope, of, of camaraderie, of uh, friendship, of support, of you know God's presence speaking life and speaking hope into them. And so it has been awesome. So what we want to do is highlight um, one of our students this morning who's going to come up and share and just talk about kind of what youth ministry has meant to him. So Gavin Phillips, come on up. He's going to share whatever God has put on his heart. Hi, my name is Gavin Phillips. Um, I'm a student here at Homestead Youth. Uh, I've been coming here for about four years now. And um, I just wanted to come up here and talk a little bit about my faith journey through the youth and how they've definitely progressed that for me. So I moved here from Texas about four years ago, and it was pretty tough finding a good church. Um, we've been to multiple churches. I just couldn't find a good place where I enjoyed going to and building relationships. So whenever we came here, I already could tell that they wanted me to come here. It was very opening, and I built very good relationships here. Um, some of the youth leaders that helped me with that is Stephen Brooke Maxwell. 
Um, Jeff and Christy have also helped with that, and Damien and Dalton, and Ryan Azeltine. They've all been great people, and they've all helped me so much. Um, the youth is also a great place. They have great lessons. Um, they have great games. We can hang out outside of church, um, and the leaders, again, are just great people. Um, and my involvement, I'm trying to be a youth leader at the youth, and I just signed up for that. And I'm wanting to help downstairs and big top kids with Hunter, so. Thanks, Gavin. Your mom's gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we've got great kids in student ministries. And one of the things from day one of this church that what we loved is just the generations doing life together. So we don't want it to be where the kids have a separate place and the youth have a separate place and the old people have a separate place. We want to find, we want to find spots and environments that, um, that they do ministry together. My favorite thing of all the great things Gavin just said is that he wants to start serving in kids ministry and big top kids. I love the idea of the kids, elementary age kids in our church, having teenagers, youth leaders pouring into them because kids think teenagers are awesome. And so what they're going to think is, wow, here's an older, cooler kid like Gavin who loves Jesus, who wants to pour into me. That's going to kind of create that culture around here of uh, not just the older pouring into the young, but just people in life mentoring other people. We need youth leaders um, for our student ministry on Sunday nights. That's one of the reasons we're highlighting this today is we just need people, and maybe that's you, people who would come and be a youth leader. If I feel like we should have had Gavin stay up here, like, look at this cute young man right here. Who wouldn't want to hang out with it? Like we're a pet adoption service today. Like who wouldn't want to have this young man hang out with them on Sunday nights? But we have the service together and then they break up into small groups. Um, so, so we can talk a little bit more age specific because we know that a, a high school boy and a middle school girl are going to, you know, uh, contextualize the message differently. So at the end of the night, they break up into small groups and we need parents or leaders or people who are going to be youth leaders. So maybe that's something that God's putting on your heart today. It's a difficult thing when you're like us and we're like, well, our kids are in the youth group and maybe some of the other kids in the youth group might think, hey, that's cool that Pastor Jeff's here. My kids would not, but we understand, we'll, we'll figure that out. We can have you lead a, a small group with someone other than your kids. All right, we want it to be an incentive for you and the children to come back. So, uh, But we need help with that. We need helpers in kids' ministry, in youth ministry. We need helpers in our worship ministry. So what we do here today is we come and we have a time where we sing together. We just need, if you are musically, if you have some musical talent, now the key word there is some. That's relative for a lot of people. Um, if you can sing or play an instrument, we know we recognize there's a lot of new families that have joined us, and we would love to get you plugged in if you wanted to help us out with the worship ministry. It's not a, we're not striving for perfection. It's not an American Idol sort of thing. But we just need to know that you can kind of sing a little bit. So if you would like any information on all of these things, we have a QR code that we're going to throw up on the screen. Here it comes, a QR code. And it's not just big top kids, youth leaders, worship team. There's hospitality. So you might be thinking, I don't like kids. <laughs> Teenagers scare me. And I have no musical talent whatsoever. You can be on our hospitality team. Not to say that's where all the people with no talent go. But that's, you know, just there's lots of ways that we can serve. Ushers, greeters, hospitality. We have lots of events here. We just need people coordinating, helping with that. So 
If you want information, scan that QR code, and even if you don't want to do it, just see, no one's holding their phone up. Hold up, even if it's just holding your phone up, don't even worry about it. Make me feel better. Make me feel better. Feel just, like even if there's not a phone, just hold your hand up like that and just pretend that'll help us. We have actual paper copies. If you prefer to just sign up on a list right outside the door out here, you can just sign up and we'll call you this week. So as a growing church, we just need people to step up and get involved, and that's going to help us with the ministries of this church. That's also going to be your next step in growing in your faith is getting it from receiving all the time to serving and pouring out and leading others. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to dive into our message today. Um, Jeff and I are just had been praying this week. We were going to start a new series, and we were going to start talking about Exodus, and we're going to get there. Um, but as, as him and I were praying this week, as we've just seen a lot of things happening over the last couple weeks, and um, both of us were just feeling this um, overwhelming sense that we just all need to kind of check in with each other. Um, and I, I know my kids hate this when I do this, but I'll always say, hey, how you guys doing? And they're like, fine. And then I'll say, how's your heart? And they're like, oh, here she goes again. But what that means is like, no, how are you really doing? Like, what's going on on the inside? Are you hanging in there okay? And so we want to kind of have a how's your heart day today with our church family because we love you, we care about you, and we know that this season has been difficult. And so I think it's good for all of us to kind of just do a little bit of a check-in, talk, talk about the things that have been going on. And as we were kind of praying about this, this sermon and this Sunday, Jeff really said, I really feel like the Lord has put on my heart the idea that our souls need rest, that our souls need rest. There's something different between your body needing rest and your soul needing rest, right? I am feeling a weariness now that a nap is not going to fix. A vacation is not going to fix. When we have endured long seasons where things have been difficult and it seems to keep going on and on and new things are added, I think for all of us, we have to stop for a minute and just kind of evaluate how is my soul, that weariness that can get in there. And um, Psalm 62, just going to cover it, but my, it says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. And, you know, the last few days and weeks and months and even years have been really hard on our souls in a way that I haven't experienced yet in my lifetime. We're all feeling the effects of the unsettledness and uncertainty in our world. And as things seem to go on and on, I think it's so unsettling to our souls and spirits that we find ourselves on unsteady ground. And our souls are desperately in need of rest. Our souls are desperately in need of comfort and reprieve from all of the turmoil around us. And so as Jeff and I have been talking about how we've been personally navigating these seasons, it's so interesting that um, his reaction to stress and all the different things is totally different than mine. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you find that in your home as well. For me, the ongoing tension, the difficulties, the stress, all of the different things, to me, feels completely overwhelming. I feel um, overwhelmed, I feel desperate, I feel emotionally depleted, I feel um, insecure and exhausted, like I could just crawl under my covers and pull them up over my head and not come out until everybody can be nice again, right? Anybody like me? But it just, it, that is the feeling where you, I just withdraw and I just feel incredibly emotionally spent. Now Jeff is a little bit different. He tends to feel more frustration and anger and agitation and like, what is wrong with everybody? Anybody feel that way? Like you just get, a, oh, okay. You get a little more riled up. Okay. Yeah. 
And you know what? It's interesting. You know, scientists have told us for years that there is fight or flight. That when we experience adversity, that our responses are one of two things. Some of us get ready to fight. Like everything in us is like, all right, you want to go? Let's go. And so we get ready to fight and others flight. We would just want to crawl under the blanket. And so him and I have had such different reactions to all the stress going around us. We thought, well, maybe it would be good to just spend a little time today talking about how both of us are kind of navigating this season. Some of the things that the Lord has been showing both of us as to how do we find rest for our souls in the midst of all of this uncertainty in a way that makes sense to kind of how we're processing all these things. That's good. We should have made t-shirts. I could have, you could have been flight and I could have been fight. That would have been awesome. Or hats or something. Get hats. That'd be good. So I want to just take a couple of minutes and really the whole theme of this the rest of the morning is just to allow a moment for our souls to find rest. Just for our, to almost take like a big deep breath and recognize God is with us. We have the ability as Christ followers to go through any season feeling a joy and a peace and a confidence and a rest that we don't, uh, that the rest of the world is probably struggling for. We have that. We're going to talk about that today. But I wanted to start out with this. With everything that's been going on, we recognize that COVID is a global thing. And then certainly nationally, there are things that are unique to this country that we've been walking through over the last year. And certainly in our city, in, our, in the Twin Cities, it's, it's at the, you know, the forefront globally of the stories that have been going on and the tragedies that have been going on in our, in our city over the last, well, the last few weeks and the last year for sure. So I want to encourage us, first of all, to pray. We just need to pray. We need to pray. As the people of God, the first thing we need to do is pray. I would love it if we would pray, each of us, we would pray more than we post. Um, we would pray more than we debate or argue. First and foremost, now let's let our let's let voices be heard and get involved. And this is not about that. We don't all need to be the flight people that you know shrink back and say, "Just be nice to us in a year and tell us when we can come out from our house." But in addition to how we're going to be involved as people of God, first and foremost, and I mean actual literal like minutes in the day that we spend doing it, we should spend the most time praying. Pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Pray for everyone involved in all of these situations. We believe that prayer is powerful. Christy did such a great job speaking about this a couple of months ago. Prayer is what we do when we push back the forces of darkness. We push back the forces of the enemy. We recognize that we um, have a spiritual enemy. Now, let me just stop here. In, in, a, in, a, in an environment where everything is so heightened and so ridden with conflict... We have to, as people of God, take a step back and say, okay, who is our enemy, first of all? Because what we do is we, we tend to watch the news or people on Facebook and people who disagree with us with our own personal views, and we say, well, they're the opposition, they're the enemy. And so when we pray, we tend to, and maybe I'm just the only one, I, I've struggled with this this week, I'm like, God, I feel a burden to pray, but how do I pray? Because so often what we do, and if you're honest, maybe you could admit to this, our prayers start to sound like God Help everyone in this situation to just agree with me, <laughs> right? If everyone would have all of my views on all of this, there would be no conflict and it would be awesome because everyone would be like me and everyone other than you is looking at you like, that would be terrible. You know, if everyone was like me, people would be like, that'd be terrible, all Canadian and weird. Nobody wants that. So we have to have a clear definition of who our enemy is. Our enemy is not anyone we see on the news. Our enemy is not anyone we see on Facebook. Our enemy is spiritual. The word of God is clear. Jesus teaches us. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That we don't fight or wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against a political ideology or other people that have different viewpoints. We have a spiritual 
enemy that we need to pray and push back the darkness. Amen. Now, some of you are thinking, well, there also are some people that sure feel like enemies because I disagree with a lot of people, and that's totally fine. We understand that. So what do we do with earthly people that we disagree with? Well, the Bible's clear on that, too. We pray for them. We love them. We love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. We find ways that we can lay our lives down for them. We serve them. This is how, you know, when we're talking about our soul finding rest and walking through life with joy and peace and confidence, when we do that, that's when the rest of the world is going to be like, whoa, hold the phone. In the midst of all of this conflict, the people of God are loving and serving and confident and peaceful. They, and so they're going to be drawn to that. This is what we do. So we pray for those who persecute us. And how else do we pray? We pray, again, it's not the selfish prayers like, God, help all the outcomes line up with my views and my opinions. We don't want to pray, God, help everyone to agree with my political stance or my social view. And it's certainly not, God, help everyone to recognize that my views are the most godly and they should all, you know, to, to agree with me is to agree with God because that can, you know, border on a little arrogance at times and I don't want to stand next to you when you get struck by lightning for doing that sort of things. I'm just joking about that. I don't think you'll get struck by lightning. But we pray these things. Rather, I want us to pray. How can we pray during this really tumultuous time? Let's start with God. Bring healing to those who are hurting on all sides. On all sides, any story that we look at, there are people on both sides who are hurting, who are struggling. God, bring healing, bring peace, bring salvation to those who are lost. Glorify yourself through this, God, that people would be drawn to salvation in you. I also want us to pray for our church, the, this church and the big church. God, help your church navigate this with courage to love well, to proclaim hope in Jesus, to not get mired in an argument, but to love and serve and bring hope and peace in Jesus Christ, to bear fruit. I want the church to go through any circumstance and bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all of these things. This is how we can pray. God, help me to do that. Help the church to rise up and do that. And then individually, we always should start every prayer. When we're praying for any situation, it should always start with God, help me honor you today in everything I do, okay? Help me honor you in everything I do today, whether it's what I post online, whether it's what I comment to, whether I, I get into a discussion in work or how I'm ministering to my family or how I'm involved in these social discussions that are so important. Help me to honor you. So help me to be like Jesus in, in whatever way I go about my day and whatever side of the discussion that I am on. We have to start with that. Pray for healing. Pray for our leaders and pray that the church would rise up and honor him in everything we do. And that's what we can start with. And then finally, and here's what I want to wrap up with and then Christy will take over here. Is, God, fill me with joy. Fill me with joy in the midst of everything. Fill me with joy knowing that you are working, that you are moving in every circumstance. And that last one is a big one because we have the ability as people of God to go through any day with joy. So let's do a little joy uh, self-test here, right? Like how much has your joy meter been overflowing the last few weeks or the last year? I know for me, it, it runs on empty a little bit at times. We have the ability, because of our faith in an unchanging, peace, joy, life-giving God, to walk through any circumstance. And I think one of the tragedies of the past year is for me and for other people I've observed is just how much time how many minutes in every day that we have spent in anything but joy? 
uh, anger, bitterness, resentment, frustration, fear, anxiety, all of these things. I bet there's times, days where we would look at it if we had a little graph like, wow, that was a lot of time. You know the most depressing thing about your smartphone is where it tells you the screen time that you had? And it's depressing because it sends me the, the reminder like every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I don't want to see that now. That's depressing. I spent how much time on my phone every day? It would be great if it was, here's your joy readout for the previous week. Like you spent 0.6% of your time in actual joy. And we'd be like, whoa, that's low. We should be able to work on that, right? As people of God, we have this ability. This is where faith becomes real. We have this ability to be joyful, optimistic, hopeful. In whatever circumstance, Christy mentioned Psalm 62, and that's what I wanted to just highlight a couple of things. How, can, how we can have this joy, there's two things I want to highlight in this. Psalm 62, this is written by King David. This is during a season where King David in Israel in the Old Testament is facing opposition. There's lots of times where David was facing opposition from an enemy nation trying to attack Israel. This was not one of those times. This was internal. This was Israelites unhappy with David as their king. This is people calling for David to be removed, spreading lies, calling down curses. We're going to read some verses from Psalm 62, 1 through 8. It's going to be up on the screen. It says this. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? He's talking to the people, his, his critics in Israel. This, this leaning wall, this tottering fence, surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Now curse is more than what we think of today when it's just calling someone a bad name. Back then, a curse was like calling down spiritual forces to oppose them. It was like a big thing, like we want to take you down. We're calling down curses. But then David continues, yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. I will never be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. And here's the word for us. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. So I want to highlight a couple of things. First of all, that word where he says, my salvation and my honor depend on God. A lot of times our angst or our conflict comes from just feeling like our identity is wrapped up in certain ideologies. And when those are under attack, we feel like we're under attack. As people of God, we can say, my honor, my worth as a person, everything truly that I believe in is in God. And that is unshaken. Well, I wanted to just highlight one, a couple things here. The first thing is that we can find rest. When David says, my soul finds rest, he's saying it's possible. It's possible. That word rest, um, it was originally a word written in Hebrew that is actually better translated to the word silence or stillness. So when we think about a conflict-ridden world, we say, my, my soul finds stillness and silence in God. Now, when I think of like perfect peace and stillness, for me now, let's do this just in your own minds. Think of like an environment that is perfectly peaceful and still, and your soul finds rest. So picture that. Some of you might be like, you know, for me, it's anywhere Christy is. I don't think it's ever silent <laughs> in there. For me, I imagine like, it's like a lake, calm lake. I'm sitting on a dock. 
there's probably a boat that I can take out. It's just the end of the day, on the water, outdoors, nature, peaceful. That's, that's for me. For some of you, it might be something. Do you have a picture in your mind that evokes like perfect peace and stillness? Some of you are like every morning at Homestead Church. Um, <laughs> you, need to, you need to get out more. If that's, you know. um, so picture that. That is the, what, I, what I picture when David writes, my soul finds stillness, peace, calm. And that is, again, in the midst of all the battles raging, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of people trying to tear him down, in the midst of all of these things, he has this peace. It's like he just goes to that place of knowing, like, no matter what's going on around me, God is that stillness, that, that anchor for my soul. My soul finds rest. It is a, an ability that we have if our faith and salvation and honor and identity is in God, then we can have that no matter what we're facing, okay? So that's the first thing is that it is possible, the second thing is this, is that David says, not only is it possible, but here's the roadmap. Here's the way to do it, is to put all of those things in God. That's the instructions. Where do I find rest and peace and stillness and salvation? Where is it? Truly my, my soul finds rest. Where? In God. In God alone. In God alone, some of the other translations say. So if we're looking for it, if our, if we're, if our soul is going to be at rest when our side wins the culture war... Well, that's not going to be true fulfillment. If we get a certain thing happening in our world, then my soul will find rest. When everyone agrees that my way and my view and my ideology is best, that's when my soul will find rest. That's going to be tumultuous and like waves in the ocean. But if it's in God alone, so what that means is every day, no matter what's going on, we can say, but I have God. He is working for me. He is good and he is faithful. And that is enough. Enough. That's what the scripture means when it says, delight yourself in the Lord. When all of the good things are found in him, that's the roadmap for having your soul be at rest. Because we know he is in control. We know he is good. We know he has our best interest in mind. So we find times to just find rest in him and to proclaim it. David is saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find rest in God alone no matter what's going on. And I want you to do it too. So that's what I'm saying today. I want you to do it too. And the last thing I'll say is he says, pour, in the last verse, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Pour out your hearts to him. So that can be in frustration, like, God, help me, God, do something. But I think more that means in environments like this when we've been singing, to take those moments not to, I know, I know it's weird at times when we come into church and there's singing and there's music happening and sometimes the mics are feeding back and there's weird things happening and You've just battled your kids getting to church and you come in and you're supposed to stand there and focus your hearts on worship and you're just like, oh, I'm singing this song. And it was funny because we sang that new song today. It's like, this is what heaven looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what living looks like or whatever the words were that I kept messing up. It was funny as I was thinking about that because some of you are like, really, this is it? This is what, <laughs> this is what heaven's going to sound like? We praise you. <laughs> um, in, a, in an environment like this, this is just an environment for us to do what David said, to proclaim God's goodness, and that's going to help our souls recenter on God. That's why we worship, to recenter it so that we can have this moment of soul rest in our week where before we go into all the conflict of this week, we can say, yes, we praise you. I trust you. So that's what I want us to do when we come in and sing, to lift your voices to lift the faith of other people, to allow our souls to find rest. All right, take it home. Bring it home, Christy. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk to a couple people today, maybe who are a little more like me, and you're finding this season of life maybe a little overwhelming. 
And the word that I have been kind of thinking about this week, and it, I know it sounds really dramatic, but it's the word despair. And I have been accused of being overly dramatic at times, but when it comes to this, this week and what I've been feeling, it's the only word that has helped me to kind of describe what I'm feeling, and it's this. It's, it's this idea, despair is the only word I can think of to describe the idea when you have been trying to say, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. I'm going to get through it. I just have to wait a little longer. And then it feels like it just keeps going on and on and on and more bad things happen. Can anybody relate to that? It's like you've been trying to kind of keep your head above water. And at some point you think, this is futile. And that feeling where you think, this is futile, I think I'm about to go over the edge. That's where I feel that word despair coming in. And that has been a, what I have been fighting in my own spirit and my own mind over the last few days is just fighting back this, this despair. You're trying to be optimistic, but hit keeps coming after hit, keeps coming after hit, keeps coming after hit. And it can start to build up. And at some point you can feel like the water is up to your neck and it's just getting higher and higher and your chin is tipping up. And that's kind of what I have been fighting over the last couple weeks. Despair is a battle that we have to fight. But despair is a battle that you cannot fight on your own. You just can't. We need the power of Jesus Christ to help us fight despair. One of my favorite scriptures says, I would have despaired if I hadn't believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Despair can threaten to overwhelm us, to go up over our head. It can threaten to feel like we're going under the water. Despair likes to tell us that it's, we're right on the edge, that it's not going to get better. And yet, I would have despaired if I hadn't believed that my God was good and my God was going to help me. And so I have been partnering with Christ to fight back the despair because despair will suck you in. And it will sink you beneath its murky waters until you feel yourself fighting for breath and grasping for something. And you feel the panic sit in because it just feels like it's so much and you don't know what to do. I've been meditating a lot on Psalm 69. I love that this is in scripture, that David, this man that Jeff just talked about who faced opposition, faced all kinds of stuff, that he even articulated this feeling that I've been experiencing. It says in Psalm 69, save me, O God. For the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper, I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted for crying for help, and my throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Just like David in the psalm, let me tell you, the first thing you need to do when you find yourself sinking into despair is to cry out to God. You just cry out. My prayers lately, they are not beautiful or flowery or anything other than help me. That's right, Dave. Help me. Jesus, help me. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on us. I don't have any other fancy thing to say other than we need you. I'm so desperate. Help me, Jesus. Help me to fight this. So you have to cry out to God when you feel the water creeping up on your neck. When you recognize it, call out to God. Psalm 69, 14 through 17 says, rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. 
Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. As despair keeps creeping into my heart and I keep crying out for help, you know what? Jesus keeps yanking me back up out of that pit. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning and I wake up and I think about the day and I open and I see the news and I see all the things that are going on and I feel that despair starting to creep in and I have to stop and say, Jesus, help me, help me with this day. Sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's at night before I go to bed. I think about the day and I get ready to lay down and all of a sudden everything starts replaying of all of the difficulties and all of the obstacles and all of the hurt and all of the brokenness in our world and I have to stop and say, Jesus, it's, I feel it. Lord, help me to grab onto you. Pull me out of this pit. Sometimes, if I'm really honest, it's five or six or seven times throughout the day when I face something with one of my kids and I don't know what to do. Jesus, help me. Help me know what to do. Jesus, help me to know how to help this person. Jesus, help me know how to respond. We have to keep crying out to him, and he is so faithful to reach down and pluck us out of the water. And I don't know how he does it. I just know that he does. I know that when I cry out to him, that feeling of despair and that feel of overwhelm will begin to slip away and it will begin to be pushed out. Now, my circumstances don't change dramatically. I just know that when I cry out to him, when I tell him that I feel myself going under, when I cry out, that somehow he reaches down by the power of his Holy Spirit and he picks me up and I feel the breath go back into my lungs and I feel my head come up out of the water again, and I know that I can get through another hour, another day, another week. He's always there. He's always watching us. He's always faithful to lift us out, and I love that because we don't have to pull ourselves out of the pit. It's pretty hard to do on your own. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried to be positive enough, optimistic enough, but God will pull us out of the pit. So here are a couple practical things that I have been doing in my own life to help me with fighting despair. Number one is to keep reading scriptures. Even if it's a scripture you have read over and over and over and over, read it again. If it's a promise of God for you, write it down somewhere, meditate on it. We push scripture memory a lot here at Homestead, and it's not because we're weirdly academic or something. It's because in those moments when you feel yourself going under, you have got to be able to recount the word of God. You have to be able to speak to that and say, no, 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 wait, I know the promise. You know what I know that it says in Isaiah 43? It says that when I am in the water, I will not drown. Amen. And you speak that promise when everything in you is saying, no, 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 it's getting too high, it's getting too high. You stop and say, no, the truth of God's word says that it will not overwhelm me. I am not going to drown. And we speak the truth to that lie. So keep in the scriptures, remind yourself of the faithfulness of God to the weary and the broken. It's one of his best attributes and his most passionate promises is that those who are hurting and struggling, that he has promised to be right there with us. I daily feel God coming and grabbing me when I speak the promises of scripture to not let the water get over my head. The second thing that I have learned I have to do is resist the urge to swim downward. 
Now, I know that sounds weird. There's a line in Hamilton, it's one of my favorite lines. It says, there's a moment you're in so deep, it feels easier to just swim down. And there are times that all the things happening and all the circumstance feel so overwhelming that sometimes it just feels like I'm just gonna sit in it and I feel it start to swirl around me and you get tired of fighting, you get tired of all the things and pretty soon you just find yourself sinking in it and it goes in over your head and you feel all of the obstacles and you start meditating on all of those things. It can be easy to keep counting up the adversities. And I have learned that if I let myself sink down into it, that they will overwhelm me. And the temptation to just kind of sit and think about all those things and to, to just sink into it will take you down. So you have to keep your mind focused on the truth of God's promises, not the accumulation of difficulties. Now, fighting discouragement, it is a mental discipline. But it is an, it's our important part of partnering with Christ because he can keep pouring, pouring life into us, but if we are fixing our thoughts on all of the negative things and we are just allowing those things to meditate in our minds, we are going to keep feeling like we're going under. And so there is a piece that we have to do. Don't let yourself just swim in the discouragement. Fight it. Fight it with everything you can. Fight it with the word of God. Speak those promises out loud. Yeah. Fighting discouragement is a mental discipline that is a part of our life. So don't let yourself just sink into it. I know sometimes you get tired and you just think, it just would be easier to stop fighting, to just let it wash over me. That's a lie of the enemy. God is there to pull you out. So don't swim downward. Set, lastly, middle three, number three, rebuke the enemy. Now that might sound like a weird thing, but this is what I've learned. If you're focusing on scripture, you're setting your mind on Christ, you're trying to set your mind on things, and yet you feel this constant barrage of arrows coming at you. Like every time you turn around, there's another negative thing, like a little whisper on your shoulder. The enemy loves to harass us. And that's the best word I can describe where I feel like it's just like I'm trying so hard to stay positive and I'm trying so hard to keep uh, scriptures in front of me. And yet I still feel like there's this little nipping on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. The enemy will harass you, but you have the authority to tell him to knock it off. Yeah. I was talking to one of our high school students a few weeks ago and she was just talking about how anxiety just felt like it was following her. And I said, I want you to imagine it's like one of those little yippy dogs just at your feet, just like, just, and just, Tell, kick it away. Tell it to leave you alone, right? Leave. I love dogs. I'm not saying to hurt the dog. I'm saying just. But sometimes that helps me to just like stop it, right? The enemy is playing around with us all. And he will just come and be yipping in your ear all the time. And you can rebuke him and tell him to leave you alone. In the name of Jesus, in the authority I have of Christ, you need to leave me alone. I have the promises of God. They are yes and amen, for, and amen for me. And I don't have to listen to you. So leave me alone. So there are times that you just kind of got to um, rebuke the enemy and tell him to leave you alone. At some point, we have to call it what it is. There is a spiritual battle like Jeff talked about, and we have to tell the enemy to leave us alone. And the last thing I'll say today is to hide yourself in his presence. There is a refuge. There is a safe place in his presence. And so when I recognize that God is with me, sometimes that means I just have to keep the worship music going. Sometimes I just have to keep singing. 
Sometimes I just have to do everything I can to just surround myself in his presence. Sometimes that requires turning off everything else. Sometimes our souls need rest, and God will say, okay, I need you to kind of come into the, under the cleft of the rock and hide here for a little bit. And I have had to learn when the Lord is calling me away and saying, okay, let's go. Let's do a little repair on your soul. In his presence, the enemy cannot harass us. Quote the scripture. Remember the faithfulness of God. The end of Psalm 69 says this, the humble will seek their God, will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Listen, everybody. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. And some of you, it's been a lot personally. We talk about big things, things going on in our world, but you know what? There's just been a lot going on in homes and families, struggles, obstacles. But the Lord is right there. And some of you have been feeling the water coming up to your neck. And today the Lord is saying to you, it's okay, I've got you. You will not be drowned. It will not go over your head. You just have to trust me. Keep crying out to me. I will lift you up. I will put your feet on solid ground. It's going to be okay. Let's bow our heads together just as we wrap up today. Jesus, I thank you that you know our hearts. Lord, because you were fully God and fully man, you understand our frame. You understand what it was like to be human. You understand how weary we get. And Lord, we recognize that for a lot of us, there's just a weariness that has crept in. For some of us, it's feeling overwhelmed. For some of us, it's just frustration that is boiling, boiling over. And Lord, today, we just want to come and just be honest in front of you and just say, Lord, we are just desperate for you. God, we want to honor you with our lives. God, we want to be people of faith. We want to be people who are shining the light of Christ. We want to push back the darkness. But God, we recognize that if we are not honest with what's going on inside of our souls, that that's really hard to do because our own despair, our own frustration will come out sideways. So Lord, it's important that we come and we let you tend to our souls today. And so we are just crying out to you and saying, Jesus, we need you. We need you. Lord, we need you to come and Fill in the cracks of places that feel dry and empty. Lord, we need you to come and, and bring hope to those that feel the water is up to their neck. We need you to bring relief for those that have been fighting the enemy. In Jesus' name, we pray you would push him back and that he may not harass the people of God. Lord, we are praying for those that feel like they are being attacked on every side. In Jesus' name, I pray there would be a steadiness in their souls, a rest in their souls that would not be baited, that would not be um, agitated, that would not be sucked into anything other than what is exactly your purpose for them. 
God, we want to honor you with our lives. And so we are asking, Holy Spirit, come, shine your light. And Lord, we just thank you that in your presence, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Help us to recognize when we need to tuck ourselves away with you, when we need to focus our attention on you, lift our voices and declare your goodness and faithfulness so that our souls can be at rest again. In Jesus' name we pray. Goodness in every situation, finding rest for our souls. 